And welcome, folks, to a special live edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider Podcast. You know how we do it. We break down the latest and the greatest in Michigan recruiting. And this is a super hot month. In case you haven't noticed, momentum is a great thing when it's going your way. And it's really going Michigan's way right now. They already have three commitments in the fold in the month of June. One of the top recruiting because they still number one in the country. Mr. Weintraub, uh, Mr. Merritt, I hadn't checked. I didn't check this two. morning. To see. Number two now. Number two. Now. two. Number two. Uh, we'll see if they can do something about that sometime in the next uh, few days, you know, maybe the next hour. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But as you always hear me say, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all of your friends about it. That's if you're checking us out on the podcast channel. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to like the videos. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. That way you'll get a notification every time we do a new video. And then, of course, where it all goes down, over on the MichiganInsider.com. Now, we had a 60% off promo going, right? That's gone. That's done. But we were hearing from the people, the subscribe, current subscribers especially, were like, what are you going to do for us? Well, 24-7, I heard your call. And they have a 50% off promo going right now. And it is open to current monthly subscribers to upgrade so you can get in for 50% off an annual subscription. It does not get any better than that kind of bang for your buck, especially when you consider the wealth, the abundance of information, and then, of course, the credibility. We put our names behind it. We stand behind it. We guarantee it that we are always going to go the extra mile for the credible news. So, Bryce, uh, we're going to have some guests on today. We're going to be joined by Brandon Huffman. We're going to be joined by Alan True. But before they come on, we there was one young man that we didn't get to in yesterday's Recruiting Insider podcast. That It's up right now. You can check it out on the site. You can check it on the YouTube page. Check it on the podcast channel. But we didn't talk about Micah Capana. We didn't get into running back recruiting. And Micah Capana, as we laid out in one of our previous episodes, has shot way up Michigan's recruiting board and is without question one of the top targets on the board, obviously a running back, and that's even with some higher-rated guys uh, on the uh, on the docket, on the ledger, but very clear to me, and I think it's clear to you, that Michigan is as high on Michael Capana as they are any of them. Yeah, so he's, you know, Bishop Gorman, I think he's 5'11", 195 pounds, um, but we haven't really been talking about him. We've been talking about Taylor Tatum. He's been the number one running back, I think, in 24-7 sports rankings. Um, a guy that's – he's been to campus. You know, he's it's, – it's been the thunder and lightning pairing with him and uh, Jordan, you know, Marshall. But but Micah Capana, he's a guy that Mike Hart, who's been kind of recruiting for several months now. I know in the spring evaluation period, he went out there. He went to see him. He's a guy that he's really durable. He's flexible. And on top of that, he's always available. You know, he's played in a lot of games. You look at his stats, and Sam, they might not be the most impressive because of how many carries he's got. But then you see the yards. I mean, he was averaging 15 yards per carry. So, obviously, yeah, he knows yeah. what to do when he gets the opportunity. He's a great pass catcher as well with swing passes and, you know, all different routes you can use with him coming out of the backfield too. And he's just an all-purpose type of back. He fits what Michigan wants. And let me just temper Michigan fans' expectations with Taylor Tatum. Obviously, going into this trip coming up next weekend, he's a guy that Michigan fans really want. I think it's between him and, you know, obviously, Micah Capana. Darian Dupree is a four-star running back from Mount Carmel. He was supposed to come up this weekend. That visit's not happening anymore, His that official visit to Michigan. He, I think, is likely going to Wisconsin. But at the moment, Micah Capana, if I had to predict, which I did this morning, I joined you, Sam. Damn, I put in a crystal ball. I think he's going to be the pairing with Jordan Marshall. And that's what I would say for Michigan fans to be very excited about. Obviously, you would have loved Taylor Tatum. But this is a guy I think has similar traits in terms of he might be overlooked or underlooked, I should say, kind of like Benjamin Hall was. But Mike Hart has a good eye for, you know, identifying talent and seeing guys who could work in the system. And you saw that with Ben Hall in the spring game, you know. This, these yeah. are guys that he knows 
that can outperform their rankings. Because right now, you look at Mike Cabana's ranking, I think he's in the 700s. So it's not the most impressive. But wait for next season. Wait for the next opportunity. Because, again, he plays at Bishop Gorman, a national powerhouse there on the West Coast, who plays a national schedule year in, year out. So he's facing top talent, you know, and I, I think right now I would lean towards him going to Michigan. Yeah, man, I think look, people need to get to the point where they don't question Mike Hart's running back eval skills, right? I think he can spot talent. And this dude, you're right, he didn't have a lot of carries. But every time he touched the ball, Bryce, I mean, you see 15, him running. I mean, 15 yards. Yeah, that, you I mean, him. I'm not no math major but that's good yeah and think about and look at how many times it looks like a guy has an angle on him and he outruns the angle he runs through contact so he doesn't go down on first contact good feet catch the ball out of the backfield and if you're if you're looking at your running back group as as a as a puzzle like how do they fit together how do they complement one another this dude would seem like the perfect complement to Jordan Marshall. Uh, I mean, and that Jordan Marshall can run too. Now, make no mistake. I, you know, I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying, you know, Jordan is up. But th- there are different kinds of back. This guy is your, your game-breaking big play guy who if you miss a tackle or he gets in the open field, it's curtains. You, you want a guy that could go 80, right? It's canceled Christmas if this guy uh, sees an opening. So I, you got to like it. I tell you this, you know, talking to the, the analyst, I don't know if, um, you know, we'll ask Brandon about it uh, a little bit as well. But I know talking to Steve Wilfong about it, he says, you know, well, look, man, rankings are fluid. Like it's not like you see every guy, you know, by the time the, the rankings come out. That's why you have updates, right? You know, you see more as the season goes on. And in this particular instance, you know, maybe – Maybe you need to look twice after you realize how hard in the paint a school is going on the kid. And I think that was the case with how hard Michigan got on Michael Capone. Because when they offered him, Bryce, you could tell. I mean, when they offer him and then it's like they're all over him. There are certain, certain offers that are getting the game offers. Like you, you offer a guy, so you're in there in case you want to come back around. And you miss other guys. We know what those offers look like. We see them all the time. But this – was they offered them and they were like, oh, we got to get you on campus as soon as possible. You know, as soon as if you want to come, it, it's hey, there's no there, there's no uh, putting you off. There's no slow play. If you want to come right now, you could come. That's how they've been on Michael Capana. Let you know this guy is one of the top guys on the board for them. I mean, you know, for me, Sam, if he were to come to Michigan, how, would you look at it like he's the Donovan Edwards and Jordan Marshall's like the Blake Horn? Yeah, that's I mean, that's kind of how I would look at it. Yeah. You know, yeah. obviously, talent-wise, they're not quite there quite yet. But if I had to say, who does he compare to coming in? It'd be closer to Donovan compared to where I think Jordan's closer to Blake. You know, that again, that's not saying he's not fast because Blake can – yeah, ran Ohio State when he had a bum, whatever, leg. So he can obviously do it too. But I think when you're comparing those skill sets to Michigan players – of those two caliber running backs, that's who I'd compare him to. Yeah, so this is not one of those situations where this is this would be if it goes like we expect it to go, and we all have crystal balls in for Michael Capana to to uh, to pick Michigan. You know, here he was blown away. This is you know, everything points to it, but it's not a consolation prize for for it's not like they oh things are not going well with Taylor Tatum. Let's jump on. Michael Capon, this is not that. So it should be clear that if it goes down and you see the, the disparity in the rankings and people say, oh, this was, this was not a fallback, at least, this, or this is not, state it correctly, this is not a fallback for Michigan. This is, you know, this is a guy that they have right there. I mean, these are negative. Whoever wants to come first, that's who uh, they'll take. And it's looking like that's going to be, Capana, not a consolation prize in the least price. Absolutely. And you know, I looked at this month coming into Michigan football recruiting as a month of clarity. We are going to find out 
at a lot of positions, kind of where things lined up, where things stand. And I just felt like running back recruiting, that was one position we kind of figure out, kind of find that clarity of what direction they plan on going in. If it is Micah Capana, again, I don't think that's them settling. You know, I, I look at him as a quality, durable, all-purpose type of back that can do many things. Obviously, if you wanted Taylor Tatum, I think they would definitely take him. But at the at this point, I don't think I would say this is just my opinion. I wouldn't tell Micah no if he wanted to come before Taylor Tatum. You know, and here's the other thing too: if he does come, Micah, I think Michigan's got a pretty good idea of where Taylor Tatum's leaning because I don't think again you jump on a guy without knowing a guy that. Taylor Tam, they've been working on for months and months and months, you know. I think they get an idea of where he's leaning. He's, again, expect to come up still for that official next weekend. But, I mean, I I just can't see him saying no to Micah, you know. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, hearing a lot of USC. Hearing a lot of USC? Hearing a lot of USC. For Tatum. For Tatum, yep. Yeah, so yep. see. Uh, let's talk a little receiver recruiting because uh, I said something on the episode yesterday that I need to follow up on. So we were talking about the the guys that we called them the long shot guys, right? So you got Johnson Rubel, who you guys didn't even want to talk about. <laughs> you didn't want to talk about it, right? Like, why are we talking about that guy? Because he was on a visit. Uh, so you gave little to no chance. Justin Scott, you know, the so the vibe, the vibe coming out of Ann Arbor, coming out of the visit, was that at least the perception in Michigan recruiting circles is that they gained a lot of ground, that they feel like, you know, you talk to guys in the class, guys in class circles, they're like, you know, if they're chasing someone, it's, it's Georgia, it's UGA. Now, look, the dude has Miami and Ohio State here in the next couple of weeks. So could it very easily, even if that's the case, even if they have kind of moved past those two and they're chasing only Georgia now, Miami and Ohio State have a chance to kind of turn that around. So it led me and us to the conversation about, well, what what could Michigan do to fend off those two, uh, so Miami and Ohio State, and maybe have a shot at Georgia? They got to get them back on campus, right? That, that's, that was the conversation. Similar conversation with Ryan Wingo. Now, I think they probably made up this, this is my opinion that they were in better shape coming out of the visit with Justin Scott than Ryan Wingo, even if both guys are still longer shots, but checking on it today. And we said kind of the same thing to have even a puncher's chance though. You got to get him back on campus and Bryce to talk. I was calling around today doing some digging. I mean, the sentiment is that sounds like guys in class circles think they're going to be able to get, Wingo back on campus in July. Now, time will tell if they're able, if they're really able to do so. But if they do, again, I'm not going to say that you start, you know, calling Michigan a favorite or anything, but you could at least start to say it's not a hopeless proposition. It's a huge deal. We, we've talked about it for, I want to say, a year and a half now, where if you get some out of region kids on campus twice, your chances of landing a kid or at least being in that race, seriously, go up tenfold it's just how it is you know and ron bellamy's done a fabulous job in this recruitment connecting with him jay harbaugh has been a very big factor as well and again he's a guy where if you get some of these wideouts in this class you can turn all your attention 100 percent focus on working towards a guy like ryan wingo mm-hmm. yeah and so we get the question all the time well how many receivers there take there are certain guys that do <laughs> like you just take. You can't right? say so, no to. So we we like how Michigan is looking for Jordan Ship, who's gonna be on back on campus this weekend. We like how Michigan is uh we kinda like how Michigan's looking for a Marion Stewart who should be making his decision uh anytime now. Uh that would take Michigan to to the number because right? you got Kenny Goodwin. Right? Three so at that point. Catlin Bear coming in. Gatlin Bear is a 20, he, for all intents and purposes, is a 26, right? So he's like a bonus guy. Mm-hmm. Ryan Wingo? Bryce, that's one of those dudes. It doesn't matter how many guys you have in the class, right? You take a Ryan Wingo, that, that doesn't even matter, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
He's, yeah, so, I mean, he's he's a five star. You don't turn away five stars. Just it's that simple. So yeah. I think it, it was about being able to to get Ryan Ron Bellamy in front of him. Ron Bellamy in front of him and his family, his dad, kind of, you know, really established that relationship and that rapport because his initial connection was with Jay Harbaugh. You guys might remember when I went to to uh Ryan's school, he was gushing about Jay. Like that's like, man, he came in early, uh, established relationship with him. Kind of like Gatlin. Gatlin Bear is another. But anyway, Jay, I don't know how many times we got to tell people Jay gets it done on the recruiting trail, but he got it started with, with Wingo, and then things kind of seemed like they, they died down a bit, and I think that was in the absence of, of really being able to forge that, that same kind of connection with Ron until he was able to get in person. And then once that happened, it at least gets you to the point where you're in the game. I think that's what they feel like now, Bryce. They feel like they're in the game enough to be able to get to be able to get Wingo back on campus in July. If they do that, again, I throw an if out. I never kind of look at it and say everything that guys in the class are saying is gospel. Uh, this is what they think will happen. But if it does, now, okay, now you got a shot at maybe, you know, pulling off an upset there. Yeah, and I know when he came up for his official visit to Michigan, they really stressed to him, like, listen, listen, you're the missing piece. I mean, we have the tight ends. We got the running back. We got the offensive line. We got the QB. Now we need a couple of lead wideouts, and we got one in the fold. If you come the fold, that changes up this whole offense and what we can do. So I, I think they're using that as if you're the missing link to this offense you can take us to the next level. And that was really intriguing to him. You know, I think the biggest thing when it comes to Michigan offense and wide receivers is like, are we going to get the ball? You know, that's always the question because we know the running back's going to get the ball. We know the tight ends are going to get the ball. Even the fullbacks get the ball. But how about the wideouts? I feel at this point, they're showing him enough to where he's at least interested of potentially coming back, Sam, you said, even this summer. So, I mean, that's a huge win in and of itself. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Amarion Stewart kind of previewing uh, his decision coming up. Joining us to talk about that is one of the best analysts in the land. I like to uh, sing his praises. I'm talking about none other than Mr. Allen True, we'll bring him on a little bit, a little bit earlier, kind of get him in the fold to kind of talk about what kind of talent Amarion is, what he brings to the to the table. So, Allen, first of all, welcome. How are you? How are you? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And so, uh, Amarion Stewart, the break down his his game for us. So, I mean, what does what makes him him special? What kind of talent does he have? Yeah, so. You know, everywhere that he's been, every time that we've seen him, he's always produced. And that is from the standpoint of wide receiver as well as being able to return kicks and punts. I don't know that that has been talked about enough in the buildup that he's a, a really good return man. His high school coach, John Ivlo, who's coached for a number of years at Bolingbroke, says, and has had a lot of Division One recruits come through his program, says he might be the best return man he's ever had. And so I think when you look at his skill set, too, he's a guy that I'm watching the seven on seven game right now. He can operate out of the slot. I think he can play outside for you and then he can return kicks and punts. He himself has said Michigan has told him they envision him similar to Roman Wilson because they can hand it to him. They can throw him a short ball and he can make something happen after the catch. He also can just straight up take top off the defense from the outside if he needs to. Um, and I think you're really going to see him blossom this year now that he's over at Chicago Kenwood. I think that's a good situation for him. Bolingbroke was a great program, a great quarterback there in Jonas Williams. But I think um, this year I'm, I'm looking for a dominant senior season out of him. So people always look for comparisons, Allen. And I know Michigan fans, uh, they they draw on a couple guys. Most recent guy uh, that they wonder if he was like, because he's also from Illinois, just transferred to Northwestern. But A.J. Henning. Uh, any similarities there? Is there a guy in in Michigan's recent history that you could kind of compare Amarion to? Yeah, I think he's a. I would say maybe a little bit different than AJ because AJ I think was more of a straight line, 
Mm-hmm. You know, DJ was a 10-6, I want to say, out of high school, right? 10-7. Something like that, but he he was a straight line burner. I don't think Marion quite has that track speed, but I think he has more side to side. I think where you saw AJ be able to take a sweep or a punt and kind of run past people, Marion has more wiggle. He's going to be able to create a little more separation. I think he's a little bit more of your your classic slot guy. Um, I think he's going to be closer to a Steve Breston type in terms of how he's used and how he plays more so stylistically than AJ heading. Um, and now Stevie was obviously a dynamic guy who can make a lot of people miss, but I think if you're looking for a stylistic comparison and how I think he'll fit into Michigan's offense, that's a name of like a classic slot guy who, who creates more separation with his quickness than he does just blow by people with track speed that I think I is a little bit more similar to. Yeah, that's what I, I kind of said to, to people. You know, you, you look at what AJ was, he straight line speed, but he was more of a stop start kind of guy. Whereas, you know, it's, in, in terms of how his, his quickness or acceleration, it wasn't wiggle. It wasn't side to side. It wasn't make you miss in the open field type of ability. And that's what you get uh, with a Marion that, that would be different. Whoever gets him and, you know, we all have it in for um, we all have crystal balls in for for Michigan here. So uh, what stands out to me about Michigan's pursuit is you go back to the barbecue last year and he worked out. So the barbecue has a workout portion and he came to campus, Allen and Bryce. He worked out that day and there's a there's a clear before and after they were on him before that barbecue. And after, they were all over him. I mean, it it was clear that this guy shot up their list after they watched him work out at that that camp that day. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying a little bit where I think this year is going to be a blossoming year for him. It wasn't to say that he didn't have a good season last year or the season before, but I think anybody who's seen him in person um, will see that there's some things that maybe don't always show up on his tape that you can see when he runs routes in person or when he plays seven on seven and you get a feel for also his competitiveness. Um, You get a feel for how he does when the lights come on. And I've seen that in the seven on seven circuit and he plays on a boom team that is really very loaded. So they can throw the ball to any number of guys. The fact that he's their go-to guy and and sometimes in clutch situations, I know in in one of the last OT seven, the regional tournaments, when they needed a big play, they went his way a lot. And so that reliability, in addition to the things we've already talked about, I think make him special. Yeah, it is. And then it's undeniable. This is another would be another example of what we've seen from Michigan over the last few cycles, as far as emphasis in the footprint, as much as we're seeing Michigan be more present in Ohio, it's undeniable. Pennsylvania, that's just picking up this year. Alan, does it not seem like it started, this whole thing started with Michigan being more aggressive in Illinois? Yeah, I do. And I think Sharon Moore um, had a lot to do with that, obviously. And you, I think it started with that one class where, I think it was Trevor Keegan's class, where you saw them start to get into Illinois more and land some of those guys. Um, and uh, was the, uh, the linebacker from Bolingbrook, whose name escapes me now. Uh, it'll come to me. Uh, uh, Tyler, Tyler McLaurin. Yes, Tyler McLaurin. And I think that was around the time that was AJ and then JJ. And then it led into Tyler Morris and those guys. But I think that was the foundational class. And around that time, Sharon was starting to come in and offer some of these guys early that they've recruited since then. Um, they, they came in and, and put out some good early offers. And I think that that's, really helped matters. But I think that as always, it's not, it's, you know, when you need to kind of up the success in a state and area, it's always, there's always multiple uh, kind of angles of attack. So you're more aggressive. Then I think some of those guys have to go there and have success. If JJ wasn't playing, if AJ hadn't gotten some run, if Trevor hadn't gotten some run, if those guys all didn't like their experience and couldn't speak to it when these kids came on campus, then I don't think you see the continued success. But the fact that those guys have turned out and have had good experiences at Michigan, I think that helps you a lot as well. 
Yeah, and just real quick, I know it's not your region, but uh, to piggyback on something we talked about earlier before you came on, we were talking about Michigan uh, getting a lot of crystal ball calls from Micah Capana. You know, our whole crew has uh, Michigan out front or, you know, landing the Bishop Gorman running back. There is a huge disparity between his ranking and Taylor Tatum's ranking, and that is much to the chagrin of a lot of the fans, right? Like, why wouldn't you wait on to see what Taylor Tatum is going to do before you take this guy who is lower ranked? First of all, can you speak to the rankings being a fluid process? That's number one. And then number two, Mike Hart is an evaluator of running back talent. I, I mean, you know, I always say if a coach shows you an ability to, to spot talent, uh, if, it, if it runs counter to what the rankings might say, I think those are, are guys you give the benefit of the doubt. And when it comes to running back recruiting, I think Mike Hart kind of fits that bill. First, I think you're right. Um, I think that our rankings team and, and the rankings team across the industry, people who are involved in the process do a really good job. I will say that for me, it does set off some alarm bells when a school is so counter to what everyone else thinks. Typically, that turns out well if you go against the group thing because there's a lot of that in recruiting. And that includes guys with a bunch of offers. If there's a guy with a ton of offers and all of a sudden the school says, like, we don't know if we want that guy, I usually try to look into that because sometimes the other schools will be blinded by the fact that he's wanted by everybody. The same when a school comes out of nowhere and said, and identifies a guy like Micah Capana, where it's like, okay, everybody else is missing something. Michigan clearly sees something here to have him right there on the board with Taylor Tatum. And so that always, to me, is a sign that we maybe need to go back and look at this guy. And, and we've seen it over the years. Uh, I can't think of a, a, a non-Ohio State example, but Chris Olave was a three-star when Ohio State offered him got reevaluated, went way up in the rankings. Pause, pause, pause. Yeah. Because what I remember is Michigan jumping on Chris Olave first. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I remember. And then Ohio State came in and what Ohio State used to be able to do is they used to be able to, you know, they used to be at a big boy Michigan, right? Like Mich- at least in this in this recent window. And, and not just with Ohio guys. Like they mm-hmm. Michigan to be on a guy and if Ohio State wanted them late, they could swoop in and and grab him just like they did with Chris Olave. What's my man? It's just the, the quarterback. Um, CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud was the same way. Huh. It was all over CJ Stroud, and then they came in and got him. So, so yes, people act like if we didn't have this guy up as a top fifty guy from the start, then it doesn't count. You know, people still screenshot the old Chris Olave ranking, and they're like, "See, you guys didn't even know until." But it's it's we're just trying to get it right in the end, and so. Micah Capana has plenty of time to move up the rankings and uh, and get you know take a look. And now, as far as Mike Hart, I'll I'll the best example of this that I can give, and you'll remember this guy. Everybody wanted Ronnie Walker. He was a very heavily recruited guy, and Indi- when Mike was at Indiana, he wound up taking Ronnie Walker. But the guy he really identified and went after was Stevie Scott, mm-hmm. and it seemed. And almost counterintuitive of like, you guys are going to get Ronnie Walker. Why are you going up to New York and taking a flyer on this sleeper in Stevie Scott? And Mike identified that guy and Stevie yeah. Scott wound up being the guy. And so Mike has never been somebody who's afraid to march to his own beat. I do. He has a certain opinion under, uh, of recruiting rankings, right? Uh, you got to You got to know that about Mike Hart. That, that's, rankings aren't his favorite thing. Yeah, I mean, at least right? he was—he was an underrated guy. So he'll, right? I'm sure, like that guy will put—he'll probably put his recruiting ranking on his gravestone someday. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're never gonna forget about that one. <laughs> so. I, hey, well, hey, man, you remember the class he came in with? He was like the—he was the last guy because it was when he came in. He came in with Max Martin. Mm-hmm who was an All-American. And so Jerome Jackson was the – no, David Underwood was the starter. David Underwood was an All-American. He goes down, and it's Jerome Jackson, who was uh, Lamar Woodley's teammate. And Max Martin is in there. All three of those guys get hurt before Mike gets his shot. So you understand why a dude like that has a chip on his shoulder, right? Totally get it. 
to, to your point, Stevie Scott, there were schools recruiting Stevie Scott as a linebacker, mm-hmm. Allen. And so here you got Mike saying, nah, this dude could be a tailback. He was a heck of a tailback for Indiana. Right. And in the, like you said, in the same class, he had Ronnie Walker. You had Ronnie Walker, who was a four-star, was one that – and I think Ronnie ended up being a solid player. But the fact that Mike still went and got Stevie Scott. So you, he, I think he is – if you talk about not just on Michigan staff, but across the country, guys who have earned the right for people to say, I need to trust this guy's evaluation and not just look at what I see on paper – I mean, Mike Hart has to be one of the, it's like Mike Hart at running back and Phil Parker at DB and, you know, and then there's a list after that, but like, like those are two things is like when, when Mike offers a running back or when Phil offers a DB and it's an unranked or a lower ranked guy, like the fans should just kind of hold off on that one and let it play out. Yeah. Hey man, the, you know, something about Michigan's running backs, former Michigan running backs that become coaches, like they could just spot it. Because the the one all time, like Mike, I don't know if he'll ever top top uh, wheat spotting Le'Veon Bell. Because that's the one that always jumps out to me. I remember Le'Veon Bell being in Michigan's camp working out, working out a linebacker. Mm-hmm. And we was like, this is going to be a dude. This is going to be a guy. And he was the running back coach at Eastern, kind of like Mike. And he was trying to convince uh, Coach E. I think it was Coach E at the time. Was it Coach E at the time? Yep. He was trying to convince, just like Mike, <laughs> right? You know, try to convince him, that, hey man, let's go, let's 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 get on Le'Veon Bell. Next thing you know, Michigan State comes in at the end, and he gets uh he gets they they get Le'Veon Bell as a, like a throw in, and he goes on to be one of their all time greats. So and hush hush, the linebacker door was still open at that point at Michigan State. It was it right? was possible, and we will still tell that story. He went to see him live. He'll still tell the story of him returning a punt and how he knew. And he's not just spinning a tail there. He, like you said, it was, he was legitimately, it broke his heart that they couldn't get Le'Veon Bell at Eastern. And so, you know, maybe we should give some credit to Freddie Jack because his disciples, maybe, maybe there was something, some osmosis or something that he passed down to those two that seemed to help. I love Freddie J. But I remember Freddie J telling me, he said, hey, man, this dude is the next Gale Sayers. Now, Freddie J, I know who I'm talking about, right? <laughs> I was like, Gale Sayers? He's like, yeah, Gale Sayers. I wasn't quite Gale Sayers. But he did recruit Mike Hart, right? All these dudes. I mean, Freddie J has some, he has some horses at Michigan in his time. So I'm not knocking on Freddie J, who's still around, putting his, uh, putting his stamp on, of approval on one of his protégés working, uh, working with Mike. And Freddie J still looking like he did back in 1995. I don't see a, a gray hair on Fred Jackson's head. So which is crazy. Let me say this about Mike too, because Michigan fans wanted him to go. They're like, "This is Michigan. We should be able to go out and recruit top tailbacks. We don't need to take sleepers every year." And I totally get that too. But Mike has done that in this class. He got Jordan Marshall. He beat really good schools for Jordan Marshall. So when you have a guy like that in the class already too, you can afford to trust yourself on Micah Capana. And right he point. certainly does. And so Jordan Marshall, you have to, when you, when Michigan fans are sort of breaking down this Taylor Tatum, Micah Capana situation, I think Jordan Marshall is a huge component of that. And Mike won that recruit. There's no question. He won that recruitment. So, uh, we got Brandon Huffman set to come on in about five minutes. That gives us a window to kind of get to the conversation. And I see these Buckeyes in the room. There's some Buckeyes in the room. That's cool. I'm cool with Buckeyes showing up. Y'all y'all know I love me some Buckeyes, right? Everybody told y'all about Illinois' defense? Told y'all. Y'all didn't want to listen. Y'all didn't want to listen, right? Y'all going to listen to me next time, I think. Anyway, recruiting-wise, Michigan in Ohio is different. They go down and get Jordan Marshall. That that gets attention. Now, they were quick to say in the last cycle, whether it was, you know, the kids from Youngstown, Cam Calhoun, right, any of those guys, they were like, Ohio State didn't offer. Now, FSB, if I'm Michigan, I'm like, I don't care if Ohio State didn't offer DBs. <laughs> I mean, what does that really mean in the grand scheme of things, right? Not really looking at their step of approval on on DBs at this point. Nor do I care about the offensive line linemen that they didn't offer when 
when I won back-to-back Joe Moore awards if I'm Michigan. But when they go in and get Jordan Marshall, a prospect that Ohio State wanted badly, it gets attention. And I sat down with with Mo Douglas, and he said Ryan Day came in, and he was like, he was making surprise. Like, they're going to take care of the state. Like, they're going to redouble their efforts. And it feels like, Allen getting as much as beating Ohio State and beating the brakes off of them two years in a row, going in and getting Jordan Marshall has kind of been like a – it's kind of like a take-stock moment for Ohio State where they've kind of kind of circled the wagons, and it, it really has turned this Aaron Scott, Bryce West – this back and forth recruitment into a real battle royal. Yeah, and I think it's also you have to with with Ohio State and Michigan and with Ohio State's success, you're not just gonna walk in and start beating them. I think you have to establish some foundation, which you do with Cameron Calhoun's and guys like that who you like and you've identified as maybe players that they've missed and build some momentum and some relationships within the state. And I think that's what happened at the end of last year. And I think some of those guys like Jason Hewlett in particular and DJ Waller are going to be really good players. And so it's not like you're just doing that to get into the state of Ohio, but I think that it's necessary to do that first. And then now you see where that's translating into some victories and also I always, I think in, in recruiting too, I always say this, we focus a lot on who do you get? Who do you com- get to commit? Who do you get to sign? I think it is still meaningful, even if Michigan doesn't get Bryce West and doesn't get Elias Rudolph and doesn't get Aaron Scott, it's meaningful that they're putting pressure on Ohio State and they're making it, um, they're, they're making these into battles. And I, I, so I think that that is, uh, I think that that means something, even if you don't end up signing those guys. Yeah, man. It, so my perception, and you tell me where you've been with this, I, I felt like in the maybe in the early portion of the year that Michigan was trending up with Bryce West, not so much with Aaron Scott in the, in the race, but not as much. And then I felt like as we got into the spring and Aaron Scott gets on campus and Bryce West gets back on Ohio State's campus, it sort of felt like the the pendulum swung in opposite directions where Michigan started trending up with Aaron Scott and Ohio State started trending up with with Bryce West. Now, make no mistake, Ohio State could very well get them both. I, I mean, you know, I, it's to to land Aaron Scott would be gigantic considering he comes from an Ohio State family. He was very, very clear about that. But he was also very, very clear about liking Michigan's scheme more liking Michigan's performance in the secondary better and that is sort of buoying uh Michigan standing with him so I'm curious your take on how those recruitments sort of compare to one another and where Michigan kind of stands in both so I actually might have a little bit of a, a different read than yours where I think almost from the moment Ohio State offered, they were the leader for both of those schools. Or it just was assumed that way because it was Ohio State offering in-state kids, and they were from programs that they had relationships at, especially with Bryce West being a Glenville kid. Mm-hmm. Being a DB, that's a position that they, they have a corner that they've had history and success at. I think that they started off as, to me, the leader for both of them. And Every fans of every school can speak to this, but Michigan, especially when you lead too long for a guy and don't get him yet, you start to get nervous, right? It gives everybody else a chance to know what they're shooting for and kind of creep up the list. And I think that's what's happened in my opinion with Michigan and both of those guys is Michigan sort of just kept chipping away. And that's what they did. It wasn't, I don't think at once just a shooting up of the list. I think there was um, like you mentioned a, a, a victory here going back to the playoff here and then visiting them at the school, getting them to come visit, introducing them to some of the guys in the class. Now you have momentum in Ohio. Some of those guys know some of those guys. You have them now talking to guys like Jacob Odin who are in the class. And so it's just, it's been steady, slow progress to the point where I think both of those races are legitimately neck and neck. It would be Michigan and Ohio state for both of them. I know Bryce, uh, canceled his USC visit. Aaron Scott still really likes Oregon, 
I can't see him picking Oregon over the two Midwest schools right now. So I think it's Ohio State or Michigan for both of those guys in all likelihood. And I think that there's it's a it's a legitimate neck and neck race where at one time that was not the case. So don't don't misunderstand me. I, I don't think that Michigan led for either of these guys from the beginning. I felt like Clink had done a really, really good job of of connecting with Bryce's family. And I thought I think that that was given it. And we didn't we haven't talked about Steve Klinkscale, and we need to because he's been doing an amazing job. He's always been a really, really good recruiter, and I think he's flexing on people right now. And I think the early flex was, yeah, Bryce is Glenville, but Clink is connecting with the family in a way that has Michigan really trending up. But I think. I think Ohio State, as they've sort of redoubled their efforts, I think, you know, this is the Glenville guy, you know, ties, lineage, you know, all of that sort of playing in with Aaron is, you know, a lot of people think that as basing my opinion just on, on, you know, Mo Doug being there. And that's not the case. He, yeah, he sent five players to Michigan. He's not going to push this kid to Michigan. It's talking to Aaron. He went to that Michigan Ohio State game. And I think it impacted him, man. I mean, I know it impacted him. He, you know, he's sitting there watching Ohio State get dusted left and right. I, I mean, you would think that at some point the players would look to the coach and be like, man, do you know what you're doing? Do you have any clue how to coach in this game? You would think those guys would have said, Bryce, why you got your hand over your face? I would be asking that if I was one of those guys. Because I think you had people in the stands. Ohio State fans had to be wondering the same thing. Hell, I'm sorry what you Buckeyes were saying after that game, right? So why would you think prospects would be saying anything different? And I think that's the case with with Aaron, who may still wind up loves Ohio, family loves Ohio State, is really connected with the with the staff there, but has serious questions about the scheme and the DB development. So can Michigan seize upon that enough to get them? I don't know. But I think they seized upon that enough to gain some momentum in that recruitment, Alan. Yes. What you just said there, 100% accurate, I think, um, Dave. And it looks like looks like Amarion just went. Amarion just went. He just went blue. Is that right? Just went blue. Amarion Stewart to Michigan, officially in the fold, committed to the maze in blue. We'll have uh, coming up with an actual Marion Stewart. We're going to have, <laughs> yeah, we're going to have Brandon Huffman come on with the newest Wolverine in the fold, and uh, we will get back to this discussion. Right? We'll get back because I love hey Buc- Buckeyes. I love the Buckeyes. Like I don't want don't derail me, Buckeyes. We got to talk about this new Michigan commit who. As you heard me say earlier in the episode, there's a before and after. There is that moment at the at that barbecue. And Bryce, you'll remember this. You remember they put him with the group. They so it was Jaden Davis, and then he had Ship and Goodwin there too. And then they put Amarion with that group. You remember that? That that was a key moment as well because you you could very easily kind of compartmentalize. If you want to slow play him, you don't put him with your with your quarterback, your top quarterback recruit. They put him with the top quarterback recruit. Yeah, and for for me watching him too, like Alan, I, I just I just felt he was a top guy who can just you know you can use him in the slot, you can use him on the outside, you can use him in punt or kickoff return. He's a dynamic guy that's got that shiftiness, got that. Uh, lightning in the bottle type of dynamicness to his game. And I, overall, I just think he's the type of guy that Michigan can kind of take that next level with their offense. You know, that's been a missing piece. I think someone that can really, you know, be an open field type of player that it's going to take more than just a guy or two to take him down. You know, he's going to make a guy miss and it's going to take a second or third guy to tackle him as well. I just – and on top of that, you keep that pipeline in the state of Illinois going. That's the biggest thing I also look at, especially the program. Now at, you know, Kenwood Academy, who's got several top guys year in and year out as well. Yeah, it won't, won't obviously won't uh, help with Marquise Lightfoot. 
Uh, but well, I mean, getting a getting a foot in the door at at a program that's going to continue to have talent over at Kenwood, right? Alan, fair to say they're going to keep having guys at Kenwood Academy. More, more, and more. I think when you look at guys like I'm Marion transferring in, they got Ethan Middleton who has several Power Five offers transferring in. Yeah, that's that's going to be a program that sticks. So as far as so we're going to get this question. Let me just get it out of the way. I see it showing up in the chat. So is he a guy, as you evaluate him from a rankings perspective, like what do you need to see for him to to, to rise up to that, you know, four-star level? Yeah, we wanted to see where he committed first. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, what, that's what everybody thinks we, we do. So we just had to wait for this, and then we can know. <laughs> uh, I think that with him – it's the pure straight line marker. We talked about that with AJ Henning. You knew with him because he had a track time. So we're, again, we're not saying that Imarion can't. We don't have it. So that would help, I think. And and he's been a slot guy who is sort of a shifty guy in the open field. A lot of shorter routes. You know, a guy who can make a lot of plays. I think when our team looked at him, that was the one thing. It's like exactly how fast is he it would be great to have a time on him so we went to uc report in kansas city in april and we thought great we're gonna get this time on him mm-hmm. there ended up being a 30 some mile an hour win and they didn't run 40s that day mm-hmm. so we missed another opportunity last year he was supposed to come to that camp in time and they got a flat tire so two years in a row you know he he was ready to go do that and it just didn't happen I think at Kenwood this year, they're going to use him a little bit more vertically, I would think. And we're going to have a chance to see some of that. And so I think that's the last kind of piece of the puzzle that may be holding him back from that 89-90 threshold. And you think you think return man in, in college is in his future? I think it's a very real possibility. Now, that obviously depends on what else Michigan has on the roster and who's in the class that could also handle those duties. Um, I know they got some guys last year, like Samaj Morgan's going to have something to say about that yeah. return man spot, et cetera. Um, but I think I'm Marianne's going to be one of the guys that's on the depth chart in that spot. Right. And so as we wait for uh, Brandon to come on, who should be coming on in a matter of moments, gives me another opportunity to talk about one more guy visiting this weekend. You came on our board and made some waves, right? Because you talked about Jeremiah Beasley. Now I have a crystal ball in for Jeremiah Beasley. Bryce, you have a crystal ball in for Jeremiah Beasley? I think Steve uh, Lorenz has a crystal ball in for Jeremiah Beasley. He's coming off a visit to Michigan State, right? And you were talking about another school on his list. So what do you sort of handicap Jeremiah Beasley's recruitment, the top 247 linebacker out of Belleville, who's on his official to Michigan right now and is slated to announce his decision in a couple of weeks, kind of handicap it as, uh, as he gets deeper into his Michigan visit this weekend? Yeah, so Missouri is the school that I said to watch out for. And that's the one that people are like, there's no way, right? You're making this up. I'm not making that up. I promise you. Even after people said all that yesterday, I checked again. I said, I posted this. I'm getting a lot of flack for this. Mizzou is like really in this, right? And everyone that I've talked to, when we have good sources in that recruitment, say Missouri is a real player. And I think the fact, again, the fact that he's taking an official out there, which if he was really down to Michigan and Michigan State, it's, you know, it's not like nothing against Mizzou, but it's not like Columbia, Missouri is like taking an official visit to USC or Oregon or something. They're like, you don't just take the free trip to Missouri unless you're interested. He could go a lot of places if he just wanted to visit another school. So the fact that he's using a visit to Missouri tells you the real interest because he canceled Illinois. He had Illinois. Um, and he had other schools trying to get him to come for an official. So that that's real. Now, obviously, there's a lot of there are a lot of advantages that Michigan and Michigan State have. I think that Mizzou doesn't have. But Mizzou has done really well with Michigan kids. Um, Devin Nicholson from Cass ended up transferring out, but you know started a lot of games there at linebacker. Darius Robinson from Canton has a chance to be a draft pick going to Mizzou. Javon Foster, who is from West Bloomfield, has a chance to be a draft pick. Larry Borum got drafted out of Mizzou, who left the state. They've done well with the Michigan kids. Supposedly, they have a a great NIL program. They've done really well with linebackers and the development at that spot. So 
Keep an eye on Mizzou. I'm not putting in a crystal ball for Mizzou. I'm just saying they're a threat, and that's real. I said the same thing about Nick Marsh in Kansas, and people have questioned that. I will gladly accept everyone's apology as well as post my cash app if anybody wants to reward me if Nick Marsh goes to Kansas and Jeremiah Beasley goes to Mizzou. I still think Jeremiah Beasley is going to go to Michigan, but we'll see. We'll see. This uh, official visit this weekend, uh, if he is, you know, kind of trending away, could be really, really pivotal. But joining us now, live from Cali in OT7, we have coming on with us Mr. Brandon Huffman, who is with the newest Wolverine, Amarion Stewart. So I'm going to turn it over to Huff right now. Huff, go ahead and take it away. All right. We are here at Golden West College in Huntington Beach, California, here with new Michigan receiver commander Marion Stewart. Marion, you had a whole plan for how this was going to go. Yeah. Didn't quite come to exact fruition, but ultimately uh, the destination never changed. Why Michigan? Why Michigan? Uh, you know, been down there a few times. Loved it. Loved Coach Harbaugh. Loved Coach Bradley, Coach Moore. They showed me love since they've been recruiting me since sophomore year. Then me and my family decided this would be the best choice for me. When you narrowed it down to a couple of schools, you know, Michigan had been kind of the thought of leader, but when was it that you knew that Michigan was going to be the pick for you? Uh, probably about the fifth, sixth time I walked in there. Just got that feeling, you know, just get that feeling to feel like home. That's that feeling I've got. The last two years, they've won the Big Ten Championship, made it to the college football playoff. Clearly a program that's trending up. How excited are you to become a part of that Michigan offense? I'm super excited. I mean, they do a lot. They take a lot of players to the league. And to be a part of that, I'm proud of myself and the hard work that I put in for it. You mentioned Coach Bellamy. Obviously, he's played a big role in your decision. The run, it was running point on your recruitment. How great is your relation with Coach Bellamy? Uh, super great. You know, we like I said, we've been talking since my sophomore year, since they offered me. He taking in my family. Sometimes he called my mom and dad more than he called me. So that's definitely a good thing to have with a coach. About 20 miles up the road, your future teammate, Jaden Davis, is throwing at the Elite 11 Finals. I'm sure he's done a little bit of recruiting of you. What's your relationship like with Jaden? I mean, you know, we played in the freshman All-American game together, so we got a little connection on the field together. But he's been focused on his, you know, getting his craft right, and I'm focused on recruiting. So we haven't got much time to talk, but we definitely talk to your teammates now. And now that you got him as your teammate, you, any chance you guys get together, do a little uh, throwing session before you guys get up to Ann Arbor? Oh, yeah, definitely. We definitely got to talk about that. You got a really good class at Michigan right now, one of the best classes in the country. Now that you're committed, who are some of the guys that you're going to turn into a recruiter for the University of Michigan to get up to join you? Uh, I really want to get my uh, my boy Boo and uh, Bryce. I'm trying to get those boys down here. Then next up, trying to get my boy Tyler. You know, he played for Boom right along the wall with me, so get them, try to get those boys up there and get a great class. Your family, obviously, you're not too far from Michigan and Chicago. How excited is your family to know that you're going to be going to a great situation, staying in the Midwest, but I mean, not be too far from home? Uh, you know, my mom's super excited. She's she going to try to see me every weekend. So uh, that's a good thing. And just to be close to home, next to the family, always come see me, that's a, that's a blessing. You get the announcement out of the way today. You get to play your senior year without having to worry about recruiting. Probably a combination of excitement and yet relief. You know, what, what were the emotions like? What were the, the, the feeling like when you finally made that decision for the whole world to see? If I feel good now. I don't got to, like, stress about picking schools, visits, seeing who I'm on, who I got the great connections with. Now I just get to work on my craft and get ready for the season and be ready for college ball in January. We got a ton of Michigan fans tuning in to, to watch this after yep. seeing your announcement. Give those Michigan fans a message. Go blue. <laughs> Go blue. There you have it. Go blue. Marion Stewart is headed to Ann Arbor to play for the University of Michigan from Golden West College at the OT7 Championship. I'm Brandon Huffman. Marion, congratulations. Appreciate it. Back to you, Sam. All right. Thanks a lot, Brandon Huffman, for coming through in the clutch with that. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you. And fellas, uh, one of those things where, you know, when as expected, you get a, a, an electric guy in the class, a, a guy who can make plays in space, good complimentary piece to a guy like Channing Goodwin in the class. We think uh, Jordan Ship is more of a vertical, you know, downfield, high, you know, when I, vertical, not just stretch, but vertical in terms of jump ball guy. I think uh, Marion Stewart is a great complimentary piece to them. And then, of course, if, you, if you're fortunate enough to get the fastest player in the country, 
uh, maybe the last few years, maybe the last 10, 15 years running in Gatlin Bear, that's a 26. So now, if you're Ron Bellamy, and I want you guys to kind of chime in on this, and this is getting right back to you, Alan. As I said at the very beginning, Michigan feels like they made up some ground for Ryan Wingo. Now, I'm not, let's be clear. I'm not calling Michigan one of the favorites for Ryan Wingo. I'm not saying that they're trending up or anything that strong. But the feeling that I get from talking to people in class circles is that they think they're going to be able to get him back on campus in July. If they do that, now I start to think they have a puncher's chance. You have the luxury now, Alan, if you get or you have a Marion, if you're able to lock Jordan Chip up, who's coming on his unofficial this weekend, just like a week after his official, now you got all the time in the world. Like the rest of your time can be dedicated to just Ryan Wingo. Now, Alan, I'm not saying that means they're going to get him, but if they get him back on campus, now I'm starting to think they might, like I said, have just that little puncher's chance. I think it might be a little bit better than a puncher's chance. I, Michigan has been consistently mentioned to me as a school that he likes. This is long time coming. I thought it was Georgia, Texas for him. Uh, now what I'm hearing is that it's Georgia and Michigan are probably the two with the best shot right now. Georgia is ahead. I think it's Georgia. If I had, okay. if I had to guess today, but I think Michigan is in the two spot probably and in striking distance. I think Texas is still in there, but I, I think Michigan is, is very much in that race. He hasn't named favorites, but if I had to handicap it, I think it's Georgia, Michigan, Texas. What happened to Tennessee with Wingo? You know, I don't know. They, I, I think they're probably still in it as well, but it does sound like Georgia has trended way up. Michigan has sort of remained consistent in where they are, I think, as one of the top schools, but I don't know if they've ever been the top school. And so I think that that's some, some things have shifted around there and they could shift again, but right now that's how I see it. Um, and, and also to circle back one more kind of subject uh, about the rankings. So we do have a lot of staff out there at OT seven and I know I'm Marion sounds like he's playing well out there so far. So those guys are going to get a live look at him. And, you know, I think uh, I can drop Huffman's cell in the chat. If anybody wants to test him. Hey man. Hey, Hey, Huff, Huff was the one who rated. He was like, "Hey, we got to make Coastal Loveland a four star, right?" He was all over Coastal Loveland being a dude. He's been all over Gatlin Bear being a dude. He was all over Mason Graham being a dude, right? So, hey man, I I about I will stand on the table for the guys at twenty four seven above all others, and that's. That's even if present company wasn't here. I think you guys know that about me. I think our guys are the best, bar none, uh, even when, you know, Michigan fans don't necessarily like what they have to say. Uh, as far as their Michigan's chances or the rankings of a guy, we can close out with, with a question about one more dude who Michigan feels like it made up ground with, and that's Justin Scott. Um, feels like Georgia has been far and away the leader for, for some time now. Michigan feeling like they made up ground on the on the official. He still has Miami and Ohio State official visits left. What are you hearing about Justin Scott? Yeah, so before I get into that, I'm getting on the fly. But there must be a lot of people watching this live stream because I'm getting on the fly information <laughs> here. First of all, I have people connected with other recruits saying the Missouri stuff is real and the NIL stuff with them is real because other other recruits are confirming that Mizzou does a great job in that department. Uh, I've also got a text that Alex Golish, who was the OC at Tennessee going to USF to become their head coach, was a big reason that Ryan Wingo's recruitment has, has changed as well when it comes to Tennessee. So getting that, getting that on the fly. And then, uh, Hey, look, man, I got something too. It says Wingo is seriously considering Michigan, but Mizzou is all over. I, people are watching this stream right now. Very, very clearly. I didn't know this was a way that we could get information. We, we should do this all the time. I should just right. throw stuff at the wall and people can correct me and, and we'll get information. Right. Um, so as far as Justin Scott, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. I think he'll probably end up south somewhere, Georgia or Miami. Got to get him back on campus to have a, 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 a shot. If, if you're going to capitalize 
on any momentum you think you gain, if you're, I'm talking about if you're Michigan, having him on the official last weekend, your only hope of making that turn into something tangible, in my opinion, is if you can get him back. Can you yep. get him back on campus again? That is the measure to see if they have a puncher's chance with that one, in my opinion. Yeah, that so that one is a little bit more, I would say, of a, it's a puncher's chance. But he, I've always felt like he's kept Michigan in his top schools. He's always wanted to visit. They're always consistently one of the schools he's mentioned, but has never they've never been the lead school there or one of the lead schools. And I think that that who the leader is there has shifted around a couple times to now where I do think it's Georgia from everything that we're hearing. But he's down at Miami this weekend, and I I, I think the Hurricanes are right there and are going to make a strong play this weekend. So it wouldn't surprise me if coming out of the visit this weekend, we start to talk more about Miami as the team to beat, but I'm with you. I think Michigan has to get him on campus again. I think they have to sell that what they've done on the defensive line and that he's got some immediate opportunity there. He's a little bit more rare up in these parts as this kind of defensive tackle than, than down South. Um, we just don't – we haven't had a lot of Justin Scotts at that position come through my region. And so I think that that's where Michigan and Notre Dame are. You know, he's an important priority guy for them because you just don't have guys like that in the back. Like, who's the last high-end defensive, like true defensive tackle? Not a guy that converted down, but a ready-made defensive tackle from these parts that Michigan, Ohio State, and Notre Dame all recruited. Uh, did you count Malik McDowell as a defensive tackle? I mean, what did you count he, him at? He was sort of a, was uncertain. He's a strong side end, kind of a guy that can inside, outside, move around. You know, Chris Wormley was the same kind of way where it wasn't certain, but like a true 6'4", 310-pound yeah. defensive tackle that all three of those schools recruited from this area. Been a, been a while, yeah. right? Yeah. Especially a five-star kind of guy. I don't. I can't think of one. Yeah. Jonathan Hankins was probably the most successful, but he wasn't that level of a recruit. He was a guy that you know, yeah, outplayed his expectations. Yeah, and the famous story there is Michigan. They passed on offering him at camp. You'll never, I'll never forget that. And he made him yeah. pay. So yeah, how about that Buckeyes? I just said something nice about you. I just said something nice about the Buckeyes. That dude worked out at Michigan's camp. They had him do like three or four reps, and then he went in the in the indoor and just laid down. And that's when they decided. I actually understood why they didn't offer him at that point, right? And Ohio State, they needed a big body, and he turned it. Jonathan Hankins turned out to be way more than just a big body. He's still playing, right? Still, but right, right. I mean, hey, all he had to do was get his conditioning together, and he did that and wound up turning into a dude. So, uh, Buckeyes, that was, that was back when you know they had dudes who who uh, had it all together defensively, you know, we'll see if they get it together defensively. I think the, the, the quote that sticks out to me about the Buckeyes coming out of the last game was their, their crew of reporters. They, they talked to Jim Knowles after the game said, what happened? What happened? What happened? He said, Michigan made some adjustments at halftime and we didn't adjust to the adjustments. I talked to Michigan's Michigan's players and they said, what adjustments? We just did the same thing we did in the first half. And they couldn't stop it. Yeah, I'm just saying. We'll see. We'll see. I love the Buckeyes. Can you you guys figuring that out? I love the Buckeyes. Love the Buckeyes. Oh, anyway. <laughs> hey, Bryce, we did all this talking. You got any parting shots before we get out of here, man? No, I, I, I. It's funny. I just checked the rankings. He's now a four star. So good job, Alan. I'm just joking. Not, okay. I was, I was gonna say. I was like, <laughs> he's like, no, but I. I I think it's really interesting about Jeremiah Beasley. That's one I think I've heard in Missouri too, but it's just one of those schools where you just you're just like, is it real? You know, you're 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 thinking Michigan State more than Missouri just because he's got a half brother there. He's got a brother there, so you're just like down the road. He's been there a bunch. How many times has he been in Missouri? And next thing you know, it's Missouri now in the mix. But what's been the constant school in that recruitment too? It's been Michigan. You know, I think the coach has done a really good job. And I, man, I got to give up to Chris Partridge and that recruitment because that was not going to happen if he was not on staff. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Again, what I'm, what I'm saying there about Mizzou is that the interest from Beasley is real and they are a real player. I'm not saying he's going to Missouri, but that's a, 
more of a possibility than anyone else is saying going into, you know, what I posted yesterday. So how about this? I got one more quick question. Out of the three top visitors that came in last weekend, who do you think Michigan did the best with? Bryce West, uh, Justin Scott, or Ryan Wingo? It's a good question. I think it's Bryce West, but I could be saying that because I also think he's the one that they have the best shot at. So maybe I'm sort of melding the two questions together. I think Ryan Wingo might be the guy – they did the best job with considering he's talking about coming back, which that wasn't spoken about prior to the visit. Gotcha. So Bryce West is the guy they have the best shot at of those three, but Ryan Wingle may be the guy they made the most progress with if you can get him back in July. And, and you know what's so crazy about it? As we talk about it, I think if you were to talk to someone at Michigan, they would think they would say they made up or at least there's a, there's a sentiment that they made up more ground with Justin Scott than Ryan Wingo. So I, I, I don't know that that's right. I'm just telling you that's, that's kind of the vibe coming out of there. Maybe they made up ground with sitting and thinking around with both guys. I mean, they, they may have had the furthest to go on Justin Scott too. So it gives you a little more ability to, to close that gap. I don't think that, that that gap was as large for Bryce West or Ryan Wingo. Gotcha. Well, folks, that's going to do it. For this edition, this special live edition of the Recruiting Insider. Hope you enjoyed it. We like to bring the heat when we do. You had a Marion Stewart live. He was going to announce live, but, you know, things happen, right? But we still got him on here. Gave you some uh, a preview of the weekend and handicapped uh, some of the biggest recruiting battles. And there's so much more to come. Be on the lookout. We're waiting to see what Michael Capana is going to do. Uh, you got this Aaron Scott. What is his feedback going to be coming out of this visit? You got a huge visit weekend uh, next week with Darian Mayo coming to town, Aaron Childs coming to town. I mean, that is going to be a huge weekend next week uh, as well. This is the time to be with us over on the Michigan Insider. So if you like this podcast, if you're listening to us there, like the podcast, rate it, review it, tell all your friends about it. If you're watching us on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel. That way you get a notification every time we do a new video. But if you really want to show love, the way you do that, subscribe to us over on the MichiganInsider.com. And now is an especially good time because there's 50% off an annual subscription. Doesn't get any better than that. Access not only to TMI, but all the sites on the network. And it's also open to current monthly subscribers. So New subscribers, current monthlies, you can take advantage of 50% off annuals, but only for a limited time. So go ahead and subscribe over there to the MichiganInsider.com right now. Till next time, folks, thanks for watching another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider.